0: morning. Thank you for joining us for worship by way of Facebook this morning. Some of you went outside your comfort zone and downloaded Facebook, maybe even asked your kids or your grandkids how to use it. Some of you have never been to our campus, but were invited to join us this morning by a friend electronically. And whatever the case, thank you. Our president has asked us to have a special emphasis on prayer today. Kevin and I will be coming in a few moments to pray with us. We're asking you as an individual and family to pray for our leaders that God would give wisdom. Pray for those who have lost loved ones, for those who are dealing with symptoms and treating symptoms. Be watching social media and our webpage pbcweb.org for scheduling updates. As of now, all on-campus activities will be canceled through Friday, March the 20th. For our members who would still like to give during this time, there are a few ways. Use your online banking and set up Pitts Baptist as a payee. Mail it in. Go to our webpage, pbcweb.org, and click the Give Online tab at the top, or use your Realm app. Thank you again for being a part of our service this morning. Thank you, Jonathan, for making this possible. Kevin Knight is coming to give us a youth mission trip update and then to lead us in prayer. Kevin.
1: Thank you, Kevin. Uh, Good morning, Pitts Baptist Church. Uh, It's good to be here. We wish you were here as well. But with the circumstances as they are, we have to do what we have to do. And the name of the game is getting the message of the gospel out, especially during these trying times. First of all, I just want to say thank you so much, church family, for praying for our students and our ministries here at Pitts Baptist, and specifically our mission team. Uh, We have worked extremely hard since October of 2019 in preparing for this mission trip. And of course, uh, with the circumstances as are the way they are, um, we are concerned about our children's safety. And travel and not only our children's but those that we would be visiting in Malawi Africa and so with that said we have decided to suspend our mission trip from April 9th through the 20th to June 18th through the 29th we will still be working hard to prepare ourselves to go and we will still be uh, gaining uh, uh, opportunities to to raise the, the appropriate funds to go as well So, uh, please continue to pray for our team and our leaders as we push forward, Lord willing, that we go in June. So, once again, thank you so much for your prayers. As Kevin mentioned, uh, this day has been deemed a day to pray, not only for our nation, but for our world, concerning these trying times. So, with that said, let's join our hearts and our minds as we pray together. Father, we are reminded in times like this what your word says. Psalm 46 in verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of gold, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us the God of Jacob is our fortress come behold the works of the Lord how he has brought desolations on earth he makes wars cease to the end of the earth he breaks the bow and sharpens the and shatters the spear he burns the chariots with fire be still and know that I am God I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Father, indeed, you are our refuge and strength. You are sovereign. God, this has not taken you by surprise. But, God, you know also that we, your creation, your children, are a needy people. And we need you now, Father. God, so many have already been affected by this horrible virus. Many have lost loved ones. And, God, we pray that you would be ever near and dear to them and that they, too, would know that you are their refuge and their strength. God, we pray for our government leaders, that you would give them wisdom as they govern our nation and world. Father, we are subject to him as it is stated in Romans chapter 13. Lord, we pray that you would bless our educators with wisdom as well to know how to handle this situation. And God, we pray for our doctors and scientists as they seek ways to bring an end to this virus. Lord God, we pray that you would use this, though, as a way to draw your family together. We ask, God, that the name of Jesus would triumph over evil, and it indeed has, and we thank you and we praise you for that, almighty God. Father, I pray that not only this church at Pitts Baptist, but churches all over this nation and world would be a beacon of light and truly be salt and light into this world. And we pray, Father, God, that this situation would even draw people unto salvation. God, we thank you that you are our refuge and strength and we depend on you during this time to help us. Lord, now as our pastor comes to bring an encouraging word, we ask, Father, that you would speak through him to our hearts, that we may apply it so that we might become what you have desired for us to be. And we pray all this in the matchless and the mighty name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
2: Student choir and adult choir did an awesome job with that, and we're grateful uh, for that special uh, that they did two weeks ago. Uh, let me say that I'm also so grateful for our staff, uh, Kevin Knight and Kevin Seeger and Jonathan Turner and Robbie Jones, who are here this morning and helping with the uh, technical aspects of this uh, service. Pray for us as we come to you in this format. It's somewhat different uh, for us. It's very different for me. not accustomed to uh, preaching this way, but we are so glad you are joining us uh, this morning, and I want to remind you that we are the church gathered today. It may be a different format, but we are still the church gathered, and Jesus said where two or three are gathered together in his name, he's with us. And so God is with us uh, today. And you know what my hope is? That this Easter season, when we're able to come back together as the church, our joy is even going to be uh, greater. So I can't wait for the celebrations uh, of Palm Sunday and uh, Easter Sunday. Uh, we, we do want to ask you to pray for our officials and pray especially for the families that have been affected uh, by this virus already, uh, so lift them up to God in prayer, and pray that God would heal them and give them direction and give them strength. I want to invite you this morning to turn with me uh, to several of the Psalms. We'll be in Psalm 90, we'll be in Psalm 23, and uh, we will also be in Psalm 121. And I want to bring a message this morning: a message of hope, the God you can trust, the God you can trust. Let's begin reading in Psalm 90 first, and I'll begin in verse 1, and we'll read the psalm in its entirety. And I'll be reading this morning from the NIV because I suspect in your home, uh, most people who are watching have a copy of the NIV. It's still probably uh, the most popular version of the Bible across the nation. And so if you don't have a copy handy, I want to invite you to to get up and go find a copy uh, of your Bible and follow along with me. Psalm 90 is a psalm of Moses. It's a prayer of Moses. And he says there, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting? You are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away. In the sleep of death, they are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning, it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You've set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to seventy years or eighty if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad, For as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble, may your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Father, we pray this morning that you would speak to us By the power of your Holy Spirit through your word. As Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So Lord, open our ears this morning. And may we see your glory. And as we see your glory and your might and your power, help us to understand that indeed, you are the God. In whom we trust. If we trust in man, our trust will disappoint us. But Lord, our trust in you will never disappoint us. We're so grateful for that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, people today, as you're well aware of, obviously, people are filled with fear. Some with great fear. Even a paralyzing fear. Some years ago, Psychology Today asked a thousand people what they feared most. Here were their answers. Number one, the death of a loved one. Secondly, a serious personal illness. Thirdly, financial worries. Now boy, those top three certainly resonate with people today, don't they? Number four, nuclear war. Five, being a crime victim. Six, spiders. Seventh, loss of a job. Eight, natural disasters. Ninth, the dark. Tenth, loneliness. Excuse me, yes, tenth, loneliness. And eleven, being unloved. That's what people were saying a number of years ago that they fear the most, and many of those certainly resonate with us today in 2020. I think today people would certainly add the coronavirus to the list of fears. You know, fear can be a dominating thing in the lives of some people, and, and sometimes it can even grow to the level of being senseless. Just listen to the following story. According to the Associated Press, in June of 1997, an employee at a Massachusetts store found a $20 bill on the washroom floor with a folded note inside. And the note said this, in all capital letters, HELP, KIDNAPPED, CALL, Highway Patrol. It said that on one side and then it listed two Oklahoma phone numbers and then it went on to say on the other side my Ford van cream and blue Oklahoma the police were notified and after they determined the names of the couple registered with the phone numbers uh, they discovered it was a couple by the name of Floyd and Rita Rupp and the police put out an all-points bulletin on and the media published their photos and descriptions of this missing couple. The two daughters of this couple, as you can imagine, sat anxiously by the phones. And then a phone call was recorded at the office of Mr. Rupp. The office manager heard a familiar voice on the other side of the line saying, I'm sitting here enjoying a beautiful view of the ocean. The office employee said, sir, you obviously have no idea what's going on, do you? And so the employee went on to tell him. When the employee told him what was going on, he and his wife were so embarrassed. You see, it turned out that his wife had been feeling insecure about her drive back to Oklahoma, which she would be making alone. And so she had written this kidnap note, put it in her purse just in case she might need it. She did not know that it had accidentally fallen out of her purse. Folks, whether our fears are tragic or senseless or well-grounded, one thing is certain about fear. Fear is paralyzing. And you know, in times of fear, one of the places in the Word of God that people have found a great deal of comfort is in the book of Psalms. It's one of my favorite books to turn to. And there are many psalms of trust in God. Now today I'm going to be taking a little different approach. Normally I will take one passage of scripture and expound that that passage. That's my favorite way of preaching. But today I'll not be doing that. In fact, I'll be, on top of the three psalms we're going to look at today, I'll be bringing in a number of other scriptures. And sometimes I'll just be reading the scripture and that's all. And we'll let it speak for itself. Again, as I mentioned earlier, Psalm 90 is a prayer of Moses. We generally think of King David writing the Psalms, but here we have one from Moses. And it's a prayer. Notice where he begins. First of all, he begins talking about the ceaselessness of God. The eternality of God. When we're afraid, when we need comfort, where do we turn? If we turn to man, we'll be disappointed because we're frail. In times of uncertainty, in times of fear, we need to turn to God. Man is but dust, as King David said in Psalm 103. Uh, James says in the New Testament that life is just a vapor. And so if you trust in man, you're going to end up being disappointed. But Paul says in Romans chapter 5 that those who put their trust in God shall not be disappointed. Isn't that great? I wish I could say to a live audience, can I get a witness and hear some amens to that? It's true. If we put our trust in God, Now, God may not work according to what we want at the moment, but God will never disappoint us. And God will be our refuge and our tower of strength. You know, things in the world can change on a dime, as we've seen, but God never changes. The Scripture says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, why is that such a comfort? Because God is all-powerful. You know, at places in the Psalms, we are admonished to remember the great acts of God. Well, the God who accomplished those great acts that we read about in the Bible is the same God today that we worship. He doesn't change. He's Almighty God. I want you to think about that. As you and I age, our strength diminishes. Our mind may not be as clear or sharp as it once was. We fail in strength. But God never fails. God doesn't age the way man does. He is eternal. He is ceaseless through all the ages. Folks, that is a mind-boggling thought, is it not? Moses says, From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. From eternity past, Eternity future, your God. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. The scripture is pointing out here that God can be trusted and depended upon when all else fails. One of these days, this earth, Peter says in 2 Peter 3, is going to be destroyed. And then in the book of Revelation, those final chapters, the apostle John reminds us that. God is making all things new. What a wonderful day that's going to be. For now, Jesus said, in this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. And so through God, through trust in Him, even in a changing world, even in a fearful world, even in an uncertain world, the Lord will give us joy. He'll give us strength. Again, notice what Moses says. God is greater than the creation. Before he created the creation, he was there. In other words, there's nothing in creation worthy of our ultimate trust. Creation will fail. But God is sovereign over creation. And God is sovereign over human life. Look at what he says in verse 3. You turn people back to dust saying, return to dust, O mortals. Psalm 139, King David said, God knows all of our days before we live even one of them. God set a boundary on every life. Moses goes on in Psalm 90 to talk about that. For general purposes, God has given man 70 years of life. In some cases, 80 years. We see people living even beyond that today. That's a general statement. Still true. People live 70, 80 years. But God has an individual plan for you. Notice what Moses' conclusion is to all of this. He, he says in verse 12, powerful statement here, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In other words, don't take a single day for granted. You know, I would suspect if you did anything right now, you, you probably are hugging your loved ones a little tight, And you're remembering to tell them, I love you. That's important. Life is so free. You know, we go through something like the nation and the world's going through right now, and it just reminds us that life is free. I've recently begun a study on the the Puritans. You know, people have such a wrong impression of the Puritans. People can think the Puritans were were a group of people, if they saw anybody having fun anywhere, or laughing, or smiling, they would rush in and try to stop it. That's not true at all. The Puritans were some of the most joyful people around. One thing they did, I think, is the key to this. They tried to live all of life to the glory of God. They tried to put in practice what the Apostle Paul said In Colossians 3.17, that whatever you do, in word or deed or thought, do all to the glory of God. That's where joy comes from. That's essentially what Moses is saying here. Lord, teach us to number our days. Teach us to live wisely before you. Teach us to to remember that our life is with you, Lord. Our life is in you. So again, Psalm 90 is about power. Power in the ultimate sense. God's power. God's power is great. Folks, God has not forgotten us. God's not forgotten you. If you would turn to uh, Isaiah chapter 40 with me a moment. Isaiah chapter 40. And I want you to listen to, to what Isaiah 40 tells us. Beginning there in verse 25. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name because of his great power and mighty strength not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel... My way is hidden from the Lord. You reckon anybody is saying that today? God, do you see me? My ways hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. He goes on to say there, there though, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That's a wonderful word to us about God's power. His power does. He does see what we're going through. I want you to write down Psalm 66, 9. 66, 9 says, He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. And then he goes on in verse 10 to say, For you God tested us, you refined us like silver. You remember about silver, right? They would heat it up until a, a melting point, and then the impurities would come to the top, and they would pour those off. They would keep doing that until they ended up with a pure product. Folks, maybe that's one of the things God is doing with us right now. Testing us. Purifying us. Think of trials like that. What does God want to teach me through this period? Folks, again, I want to remind you in a troubled world Christians are to turn to God and, and don't presume upon life. James was reminding us of that in James 4, reminding us that life is a vapor. He was talking to businessmen who were saying, we're going to travel in the world to such and such city. We're going to stay maybe a year there, and we're going to buy and sell, and we're going to make a profit. And James says, but you don't realize that your life is but a vapor. Instead, you ought to say, if God Folks, let this period of time we're going through as a world remind us that we need to live all of life under the will of God and in the will of God. He's a powerful God. He can be trusted. But secondly, I want you to see this condescension of God. God has come down to us. Probably the best known psalm in all the world today, other than John 3:16, would be the 23rd Psalm. I want you to turn there with me. David said, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Folks, think about this. God, while majestic and all-powerful and transcendent from us, He's chosen at the same time to be very near to us, imminent. You see, it's important to get the first point correct without overlooking the second. It's this all-powerful God who condescends to you and me in our moments of need. If we just started with the second point, that God is near, we might say, yes, it's nice that God is with us, but, but can he really do anything to help me? We need to be reminded God's all-powerful. But if we leave it at that, we might be tempted to conclude, well, he's aloof, he's distant, he doesn't care about me. That would be wrong too. And so we need to see the balance here in the Psalms and other places in the Word of God, that God is both, he's transcendent, he's distant, he's other than us, he's almighty, he's powerful. But at the same time, he's very near to his people. Jesus said even has the very hairs on your head numbered. King David is saying, this mighty God condescends to me. He comes down to me on my level. He understands me. He understands my weaknesses. I have everything that I truly need in Him. You know, I hope you and I Are there in life to the point that we can say, God, truly, when it comes down to it, in you I find everything that I need. You see, if that's true, the ups and downs of the world, the ups and downs of life, the trials of life won't get to us so badly. David says here, God takes care of all of my physical necessities, even as a shepherd would take care of his sheep. He makes sure that I have food and water. He refreshes and restores my soul. He strengthens me and protects me in the face of my enemies. And one day, I will be with him. He gives me eternal life. Eternal life that starts the moment I trust him and goes on eternally. Folks, it's no wonder that Psalm 23 is so well known. It's a testimony of how personal God is in our lives. Folks, let's not forget, Jesus gave the fulfilled meaning to this. He said, I, I am the good shepherd. And I know my sheep by name and they know me. I'm going to ask you in a little bit if you know the Good Shepherd. Thirdly this morning, I want you to turn with me to Psalm 121. Psalm 121. And listen to what this psalm says. And I want to give you the conclusion of the matter here. So, you know, if God is ceaseless, eternal, all-powerful, He condescends to us, He's near, He's personal, what's the conclusion to all of this? Verse 1, the psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed. we need to trust in the Lord that He'll get us through this. And even if God doesn't do everything just like we would like Him to do, remember what Job said. Job said, Though He slay me, yet will I hope in Him. Remember what Habakkuk said in Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 and 18? Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no fruit, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Somebody says, but how can that be? Because Habakkuk finally realized that God has a plan, even though Habakkuk himself could not see that plan at the moment. Folks, that's such a key to remember when when life is not going our way. God has a plan, even though you and I can't see it. The important thing to remember is, God has a plan. And I can trust that. I don't have to see it. All I have to do is trust God that he knows exactly what he's doing. And I need to trust him and follow him. What's the psalmist saying here? He's saying, am I going to look up to the hills for my help? You see, the the pagan people back then, those who did not know Israel's God, they would oftentimes build altars on top of the hills or the mountains. In in Baalism, for example, that was a Canaanite religion that the Israelites had to fight against constantly. In Baalism, they, they would put their altars right up on top of the hills because they thought, if we can get closer to Baal... Maybe he'll hear us better. The psalmist is saying, am I going to do that? Am I going to look to the tops of the hills where people around me look to? He says, no. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I'm going to look to the one who made the hills, and he made everything else for that matter. He goes on in verse 4 to point out that, that God's power is constant. He doesn't have to recharge. You know, you and I have to sleep. We've got to rest. We've got to recharge. Because our strength diminishes through the day. But with God, there's never a single second that his power is weakened. And look at what he says in verse 6, neither dangers of the day or night get past God. The thought of the moon that he mentions here in verse 6, it might imply that oftentimes robbers do their mischief at night under the light of the moon. But he's saying here that dangers day or night, dangers day or night, will not cause him to be afraid or hurt him. And finally, in verse 8, he points out that regardless of man's travel, regardless of man's activity, he's uh, he's not out of God's reach. He's not beyond God's watch care. There's nowhere you can go, there's nothing you can do that you move beyond God's reach. And We're thankful for that. Whatever I go through, Wherever I am, God will watch over me. God will help me. So you see, folks, this morning, I I, I want you to understand, there there can be confidence and there can be hope and comfort for God's people. But the question now comes, are are you in the company of God's people? Folks, that's a very honest question. Because the same Bible that talks about God's power and comfort reminds us that not everybody is God's child. Everybody is God's creation, but not everybody is God's child. Not everybody knows him. The prophet Amos said, prepare to meet your God. You see, you must prepare. Prepare. The beauty of your listening today, hopefully, is it's a reminder to you and me that we have to prepare when it comes to spiritual things. You see, with everything going on in the world right now, I I want you to think in one sense of the mercy in it. Yes, I said that in one sense, and I'll explain what I mean. There's a mercy in it. You see, as long as life is good and everything's going our way, what do we do? We oftentimes, all of us are guilty. We click along in life, and we might not think about God that much. Somebody in that circumstance may die in a traffic accident and and. They didn't see something like that coming. There was no time to prepare. Somebody might have even thought, you know, I thought I would have more time. But with everything that's going on in the world right now, what are people doing? People are thinking, hopefully, about these things, about eternal things. There's mercy in that. If if we can't see mercy in anything else, we can see mercy that hopefully this is forcing people to think about eternity and to think about God. It's slowing us down and making us stop and think about God. I want to remind you of some verses in the book of Romans. Romans 3.23 says, we have all sinned. And come short of the glory of God. All of us, we've committed sins of omission, failing to do what we should have done, and sins of commission, transgressing God's ways, and we've all been guilty. Romans six twenty three says, "There's a paycheck for life like that. The wages of sin is death." But folks, I'm so glad that uh, chapter six doesn't end that way. It goes on to say. Uh, while the wages of sin is death, yet the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Eternal life. Then we back up into Romans 5, and Paul reminds us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Some people think, I, I've got I've to be good enough one day for God to love me, I've got to be good enough one day to be saved. Folks, We're never good enough. While we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Think about that. You don't need to wait till you feel good enough one day. In Romans 10, the Apostle Paul says, If we will confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart, that God has raised them from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 13, he goes on to say, all who call upon the Lord, for those who call upon the Lord will be saved. Right now, as I close, I'm going to ask you to do that. I'm going to ask you to call upon the Lord and say, if you know that you don't know him, say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin." Lord, I've sinned against you. And Lord, I, I need to be forgiven. I want to have eternal life. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. And you raised him from the dead on the third day. And he has opened the way into your presence for all who will come to you. And so, Lord, by faith, I come to you right now, Lord Jesus. Take my life. Forgive me. Help me to live for you. Lord, help the whole orientation of my life to change away from myself and this world. And help me to live for you and live your life through me. Would you pray that? Christians pray that God would use what's going on in the world right now to awaken people of their need for Christ. And Christians, don't fret. I know we worry about things. I know I do. I'm sure you do. But God says we're to trust Him. And whatever concerns us, whatever worries us, we need to make that a matter of prayer. Would you do that? Let's pray again. Father, we thank you that you're the God in whom we can trust. You're all-powerful, and yet you're near to us. And we certainly see that in the incarnation of Jesus. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Lord, help us to trust you in these uncertain days. Lord, right now I do pray that there are those who have surrendered their lives to your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, remind us as believers that these are times when we can speak to others about the hope, the joy, the peace, the life and forgiveness that we have found in Christ. For it's in His name that we pray. Amen. God bless you, folks. Stay safe.